Welcome to Step Into the Story. Incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Well, welcome to Step Into the Story, where we explore the intersection of God's story and your story. And every time we get together, it's so exciting to hear somebody else's new life experience. Today's conversation is with a man named Stanton Lanier. Stanton, you and I actually met years ago, um, but haven't really stayed in touch that much. And I'm delighted to get reconnected with you through um, this experience. And welcome to Step Into the Story. Thank you so much, Phil. It's an honor and privilege to be with you and really excited to about our conversation. You know, as, as we listen to each of these episodes, there's so many life on life connection points. And um, Stanton's story, as you're going to hear over the next few minutes, is one of those. If you can't find something in this guy's life that resonates with you, I will be very, very, very surprised. Um, mm-hmm. Stanton, your website describes you as a composer, author, orchestrator and believer with a vision to create God encounters for all generations through scripture-inspired instrumental music. And I know mm-hmm. you you are a musician, you're so gifted. Um, but when I, when I think of you, I was thinking about this last night in preparation for this, I was thinking about Vivaldi's The Four Seasons. And mm-hmm. um, your, your life story kind of falls into four different seasons from a career point of view. Um, we'll talk about that in a second, but but go back to um, just give us a sketch of your growing up years. And um, before we get to your education, just give us a glimpse of what it was like growing up as Stanton Lanier. <laughs> okay, great. I'm happy to do that. Um, I was born and raised in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, um, sort of a, a basketball um, center, you know, just um, the former North Carolina coach, Dean Smith, went to my childhood church. So oh, wow. he would even show the, show the old movie projector of the season, like at our church in the fellowship hall, like it was Dean Smith and the University of North Carolina. So I had a dream to play college basketball for, for North Carolina and then be a professional basketball player early in my life um, because we were around that so much. Um, and I started piano lessons when I was six years old in the first grade. The first year was on an electronic kind of keyboard with headphones, which was really kind of cool and made it made it fun and interesting to hear the sound of music and play simple melodies um, and continue taking piano lessons. Um, I climbed trees a lot. I rode my bicycle a lot. Loved being outdoors, kind of the wind in my face or the swaying in the breeze at the top of a tree. So the Lord was pursuing me as I look back just in sort of the wonder of childhood and childlike faith. And, and beginning to sew music into my life, you know, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't write a song until I was 14. And we had moved from Chapel Hill down to Milton, Florida, in the panhandle of Florida near Pensacola. Um, my dad had one career move. Um, and uh, I continued taking piano lessons. And, but I really started writing a lot of songs in my high school years and some in college and, and onward. Um, but I didn't write instrumental music until God called me to music to light the world. But I did have this background of uh, piano playing and ability to compose, but wanting to be an athlete and, you know, kind of this mixture of 
sports was going to be more important than music. So I thought I would quit the piano when I was in the seventh grade and my, my parents didn't let me quit. They, they said, we're going to make it through this year and then we'll decide next summer. Wow. And, 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 and thank the Lord he, he got me through that year. Um, and I, and then I saw that I wanted to keep playing and keep taking lessons. So. There are a lot anyway. of moms and dads right now calling the son or daughter over to them and go, now listen, listen to what he says. Let me back that up 15 seconds. See, he's really glad that his parents made him keep going. And um, that's what's going to happen to you too. My wife is uh, a native North Carolinian and is a big Tar Heel fan also. And, um, you know, I, they could have used you this year. I mean, here we are in, in March Madness, and they made it to the dance. Right. But you maybe could have you could walk on this year. So you you may want to you may want to think about that one. Um, so That's you right. you have this this early involvement with music from age six on up. But yeah. your path to music as a career, you sure did take the scenic route. To get there, and that's why I was talking about Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Um, yes. What and where did you study in college? Yeah, I went to Georgia Tech, which was my back door into the ACC um, from the Florida Panhandle, so I could watch Carolina play basketball. But I quickly became a Georgia Tech fan <laughs> and was there during some fantastic basketball years in the early early to mid eighties. It was it was unbelievable uh, ACC basketball, but I. I went there because I was good at math and science, and I would describe my faith. I, I had come to know Christ in middle school like I was. I had trusted the Lord to save me, but I didn't know a lot of the Bible or how he could speak into my life. And so he, I would describe it as a very practical faith, like like I knew that God loved me, but I, I thought I should do, you know, kind of decide what I should do based on my abilities and a lot of people, what other people would say I should do versus like what he might think or say so everybody was telling me hey you know you're a good good at math and you're good at science and you're a good student and it's great that you can play basketball and play the piano but you need to get a good job one day so you should go be an engineer and, and those voices were loud the loudest in my life so mm-hmm. I went out to Georgia Tech um, and I, I declared chemical engineering um, and I took the first introductory course in that and then that experience a 19 a 19 out of 100 was a C in the class and wow. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to play this game for four years, like making 19s and getting, or make a 30 and get a B or make a, I just <laughs> couldn't believe it. So I changed to chemistry. I changed to chemistry, which was on the same line and ended up in the lab lab from noon to six, most of my junior and senior year, a few days a week, um, organic chemistry, physical chemistry, biochemistry, analytical chemistry, unbelievable. Um, and there was an old beat up piano in the fraternity house that I would play almost every day or maybe every few days. And I found there were three pianos on campus in a private room at Georgia Tech. And I, I knew where all those were. And I could go play some Johann Sebastian Bach or some Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven or some songs I'd written. So I had a, I found my little respite. Um, there was even a Wesley, uh, uh, like a United Methodist uh, campus, um, Wesley Fellowship, you know, that had a piano. So mm-hmm. I, I was able to have little musical escapes, but I was buried <laughs> in, in math and science and calculus and physics and chemistry. So, uh, God, I, it seems like a wasted four years, but, you know, God, God is so patient and kind and tender and just shaping us and sort of breaking, for me, breaking my character to eventually really surrender one day, which would take many more years, um, mm. even through the 
the hardships of college and, and uh, MBA school mm. and sort of my first jobs uh, that I was sort of struggling to find what I was here to do and didn't really like my, my early career jobs. Um, all that ultimately from a freshman at Georgia Tech to age 30, I finally was broken and said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Um, and that's I, when my life really changed. I was pre-med the first couple of years of college and Organic chemistry is one of the tools that God used to lead me to become a Bible teacher. Um, that's <laughs> that's all I'm going to say uh, on that matter. Yeah. But MBA that's from true. UGA, which, um, you know, talk about a divided household even in one brain to be a tech grad and a UGA grad. <laughs> um, but right. but then, you know, from that, some some work in business consulting and insurance, kind of the the second season, and then a, um, a longer run as a financial planner with Ronald Blue and Company. Um, tell me about That's that right. that decade of your life. Yeah, so at the, it was like the fall of the of nineteen ninety four, and I had just turned thirty years old, as I mentioned. And I really, in my career, I just I got it brought me to my knees. I mean, in terms of Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And so over the next six months, he. I watched him orchestrate my circumstances and my opportunities for work and such that I was invited to a financial planning position at Ronald Blue. And I, I was amazed at the offer and the opportunity to learn there was a company that would use biblical counsel and just help help people with their stewardship you know, to serve clients. And I really felt called because I watched God engineer relationships and people and invitations and kind of declining or, or sort of checking my spirit. I love the the Oswald Chambers devotion about moving forward until the Holy Spirit checks us um, instead of waiting to, for the, all the lights to be green, just move forward as the Lord leads and then the Holy Spirit will check you. So I had these guiding nudges um, and began that career at Ronald Blue in the spring of 95, um, which interestingly enough, kind of a, a crazy side story is the Lord had um, through a guy named Walt Wiley um, who um, was well, walked through the Bible for many years. My wife and I went to Israel in the Holy Land in, in 1995, right before I started um, full-time with Ronald Blue. So that was, that's a God appointment, you know, that we were able to do that as a couple um, before kids and sort of early in our career years. But um, anyway, the Lord's just continued to, to speak into my life. I wanted to hear his voice um, during those nine to 10 years at Ronald Blue I, uh, that, that looking back were just shaping me spiritually um, as much or more than vocationally um, for what mm. God would call me to do. What what is it about math and music that there seems to be such a close connection? I I run to run into that in people so frequently. What is it about mm -hmm. those two disciplines that seem to overlap like they do? Yeah, well, it's, a simple answer is just the intervals on the on the scales. Um, like the you know, and there's so many things about music that. As non-musicians, people think people think musicians can do everything, but it's, there's so much of a scope inside of music with things you can and can't do. Like I can play the piano, but I really can't play the guitar. But some people can play the guitar and the piano. But people think you can kind of do more than maybe you can. But the but the things there you hear of like a a third and a fourth and a fifth, um, like the like the do re mi fa so la do you know the the sound of music, which is one of our favorite. That's the scale of the seven notes uh, up to the octave, and so the the do do re mi do mi you know is the third. So the the math of the intervals is is it was even a musical uh, 
relationship that that early Pythagorean theorem and some of the mathematical uh, theorems and intervals uh, began, you know, from musical, like a stringed instrument that had it, the, 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 um, th- the thinkers of the day noticed there was this, the tone of music was, had this space between, you know, each uh, sound and it became our, you know, musical interval, but it was mm. ma- mathematical behind that. So that's kind of my, I'm sure there's much more around about it, but that's, that's all that I know almost. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's fascinating to me. It really is. So yeah. then kind of the, the fourth movement or, or the fourth season is where music that has been your, um, your hobby, your, mm-hmm. your safe place, your escape. I mean, I, I can, yeah. I can picture you, at Georgia Tech, just, you know, walking out of a class with your head spinning. And like, like you're saying, the competition and the grading system there is, is so intense and finding one of those pianos and just having your safe, quiet place, a worship service all by yourself. But how do we get from a successful career as a financial planner with, with a side of music to know this needs to be a bigger part of my life than I originally planned for it to be. How, how did that go down? Well, the, the spiritual development happening at Ron Blue with working with clients that were more mature in their faith than I was or loved God's Word or the Bible um, speaking in my life, but then resources that I started to have at my fingertips from, from Bible studies to conferences and events and different speakers and teachers. And so I was... The, the, the calling I'd had, the surrender I'd had in that 1994-95 really made me, gave me a longing for God's voice. Like I saw him speaking to my life and I started to to hear his voice or just sense his presence more. And I was so hungry to know that more and more. And so studies like a, like a Henry Blackaby, the, the workbook called Experiencing God and Knowing God's, Knowing and Doing God's Will for Your Life. Um, and then uh, John Eldridge was another one with, with Wild at Heart. And how God is not a safe God, or even C.S. Lewis, you know, God is not a tame lion. Aslan is not tame. You know, there's a, he's a God of adventure and sort of mystery and uncertainty. So the this, this certain kind of wiring that my wife, Lori, and I both have from MBA and financial kind of background and just wanting to know all the steps, the Lord was redeeming this. And, and hearing his voice and obeying his voice became more important than than, mm. than you know fear and uncertainty of what he would be doing, what he meant. You know, we knew he meant good. Um, so he gave me a nudge around. Uh, he gave me this idea, like the late 1999 and early 2000, to take a Bible verse that he had used in my life and write an instrumental melody um, for the first time. And it was it was May of 2000 that I wrote uh, the very first song called Grace and Truth. Um, inspired by John 1:14, where uh, Jesus came and he was filled with grace and truth. And the Lord had grown me in his truth and he was growing me in his grace um, to not try to figure it all out as sort of the grace thing or not to explain it all. Let the Holy Spirit speak, you know, through the instrumental music. Um, so I, I wrote 30 melodies um, over about a four-year window while I was still a financial planner. And that's an important thing to encourage people that, that if God's calling you to something, he can integrate it into your life mm-hmm. for a season. I love the word seasons that you're using. And, and um, you know, Vivaldi's amazing because he wasn't even like a violinist at first either. That's what that's what's kind of cool that with my story. <laughs> like the Vivaldi did the four seasons, but he wasn't like a violin from childhood. He was doing other things. And then he said, maybe I should 
write some violin music, you know, came <laughs> later in his life, which is just, I love that. Um, but um, so, so God started to whisper about, you know, take verses. And so he had fed so many verses into my life that I just was flipping through and underlining and going back and like finding these titles embedded in, in, in God's word. And I started titling songs uh, and wrote 30 laws of financial planner. So I, I was having like an evening a week or a Saturday early morning before the family would wake up or, you know, we interweaving this um, around the life and, and young children and, and the career. Um, and then people started to, when they heard the music, they started to, to want the music and to order it and say, how can I get one of these? Because we, we basically gave them as gifts. We, we did CDs in that era and gave CDs to coworkers and clients and friends and just started giving them as a gift because that was the, that was the, the funny story was I'm a, I'm a certified financial planner. Would you like to buy my piano CD? <laughs> right. right. Um, <laughs> is this any good? You know, this guy, was, I mean, he's got a piano CD, you know, but he's like a financial planner. So it's good. This music, you know, but, it, but as people started to hear it, they're like, how do I get another one? And then, you know, we started a website and it was kind of this part-time thing, but it kept growing. So you say that, really your vision is to create God encounters for all generations. Um, some people would say, well, I, I, you know, I Googled Stanton and I found it and I listened to his stuff and I liked it, but there's, there's no words. How do you, how do you communicate truth without, without words? Um, address yeah. that, will you please? Yeah. Well, it I sort of was having this idea and people were saying the essence, they, what they experienced when they heard the music um, was a piece of God or just kind of a stilling effect. Like it helped them to, to calm their heart or their spirit and maybe hear God's voice more in their life or just sense his presence. And it was really others testifying to that. Like I was, I was wanting to make a difference um, in people's lives. But when, when testimonials came, um, one the one of the most profound things that happened was was it, it my music was played on the local on the eights on the weather channel a long time ago huh. in 2003 2004 like back when it was part time but there was a track that made it onto the weather channel through a it, it's too much of a story but just through one person to another the the guy listened to it and he puts it on the air on the weather channel and, and so so a lady in Michigan that was folding her laundry when the weather came on wanted to email me to tell me that God was in the room with her when it came on. Hmm. Um, and, and there was a there was a 23-year-old man that had been in a car accident in Connecticut. And when the weather channel came on, he said it gave him hope to make it through another day because he was injured really badly and, and he burned in this car wreck. So that's when I started kind of tearing up and wondering, Lord, what is, what are you up to here? Because yeah. people were saying, people were saying things that I couldn't do. Right. I was just trying to obey God's voice and write instrumental music from the scripture. And people were saying that, and I didn't call it a God encounter at that time, but over the years we've realized that offering God's peace and rest in a hurried world, which was kind of the early vision praise of just, you know, helping people mm -hmm. slow down from a hurried world and to, hear God's voice in a, in a noisy world. Um, but people were, were saying these things that were happening and that started to be all across the United States. And then it started to be overseas. And now every day there's kind of a comment on YouTube or a story or an email or just people saying um, what happened for them when they heard the music. And this, this is this, 
the thing I talked about grace earlier, it takes some, it takes grace to say, you know what, I'm not going to be able to explain it. I, I don't. Right. There's some mystery here. There's some mystery. Right. So the truth, the truth is vital and powerful and so impactful. And that's where this is all embedded. This is where this is coming from. It's God's word inspires the instrumental music. And then the grace is what happens when it goes out. Like, how is that possible? Well, I've been watching it happen for for almost 20 years, you know, 17 years full time. So I have to just smile and love people well when they wonder how can this be? You know, because I've kind of wondered that myself in the beginning, and then I've watched God be faithful for all this time. I want to have a conversation someday in heaven with the little boy who gave his lunch to one of the disciples and then got Mm. to watch Jesus take it and multiply it and feed thousands of people. I mean, we love that story. We love that miracle. But if you're that little boy who goes, all I did was give him five loaves and two fish and look what happened. And, you know, I, yeah. I hear the same kind of wonder in your voice. I want to play one of your, yeah. I want to play one of your songs here. Um, it's called climb to the sky. Um, tell us, tell us what scripture this is based on. I want to explore the, the process of composing in a minute, but, but tell us what scripture was on your mind when you put these notes and melody together yes sure phil um that one comes out of psalm 139 and what i would do over the years is look at different versions of the bible so i could see the poetry and the language and sort of if a title would jump off the page at me and at this at this stage this is from my 10th album um which is called climb to the sky because it's really a life theme um and psalm 139 verses seven and eight it says is there any place i can go to avoid your spirit to be out of your sight if I climb to the sky you're there if I go underground you're there and so in this piece the, the I wanted the piano to climb so the notes actually run up the scale from E flat and it says if I climb to the sky you're there the notes are singing that if I climb to the sky you're there and so um, about half the time my uh, music is doing that it's singing some the notes are singing some words. So climb wow. to the sky um, comes out of Psalm 139 and it ties to when I climbed trees back as a little boy in North Carolina and would be all by myself up at the top of a tree um, and just looking out on the world and just the wonder of that kind of experience, feeling like God is so big and I'm so small and um, that something powerful and being, being up higher with him. So I feel like one of the ways I say it is we're all kind of on this climb in our life we we and, and humanity is sort of drawn to the idea of climbing to the sky boy wouldn't it be nice to be a bird or to climb you know, wouldn't it be nice if i could climb to the sky so it's sort of an inviting uh scripture you know that hey we're all in this climb together and we can we can bless one another on the journey you know So that is not only beautiful music, but it, it does it does make my spirit soar when I hear it. I, I grew up in a pretty tight fundamentalist church where Psalm 139 and, you know, the fact that there's no place you can go that God can't see you, that was pretty much a negative thing. 
I mean, you can't hide from him. He's going to catch you. Mm-hmm. He's going to find you. And, you know, now as a getting older to be set free from that legalism and mm-hmm. realize that God created me for a relationship and his, his gaze is not something to be feared or avoided, but there's comfort in his presence. And um, I just started doing right. this a couple years ago when I pray with people before surgery, even with their loved one who's got to say goodbye and, you know, watch that gurney go down the hall and the person releasing control to the, to the anesthesia. And, mm-hmm. you know, that idea that there's no place I can go, including being unconscious in surgery that your spirit isn't there and just started praying that God would make his spirit somehow in a way we can never understand or even articulate. Um, But that's just such a comforting thought. And as I listen to that song, that's kind of, that's what I'm picturing in those notes you put together there. That's, that's just beautiful. Yeah, this is a, um, you know, childlike faith and just viewing life more as a child, just the innocence and the trusting and just looking to our Father God, you know, to in the sense of adventure and the wonder that a child isn't really afraid, you know, of sort of riding fast on a bicycle or climbing a tree or there's there's a little less fear because you don't know to be afraid yet. Um, all these kind of elements uh, and, and some joy that sort of the world and adulthood can sort of steal away or snuff stuff out um, that, that need, God needed to redeem in my life. So I, if I do this in a concert, I tease about it being one of my kind of kind of a rock song. <laughs> you know, like this is <laughs> kind of up-tempo and everybody laughs because all my music is pretty, pretty calming, but some of them have some up-tempo and some rhythm to them. And that's sort of being in step with God and sort of this, this childlike wonder and joy that I'm wanting to express through more of an upbeat kind of inspiring melody versus like a soothing, calming, you know, be still. Yeah. Some of them really sort of lift your spirit because we, it needs to be resurrected in our, in our heart, you know, to be more childlike um, Mm. and be more joyful. Mm, Absolutely. So take us in to the creative process. So do you, I mean, is that your pattern that you already have a scripture in your mind and and then the notes come, or is it sometimes the other way around? How does that? I mean, I played the tuba up through high school and <laughs> briefly resurrected it to be part of a brass quintet in our first church. Um, and we'd show up on Christmas and Easter like the Salvation Army Band. And um, but to yeah. the jump from that to being able to create something. Uh, that to me is like holy ground. So how welcome us into the process and try to describe it. Can you? Yes. Um, so yeah, thinking back, it's almost 20 years, you know, writing that first melody, grace and truth. And I pretty much all the way along there, there's a, a scripture in mind or a few verses in front of me. Um, but what happens is some of them become lyrical for those that are, that are musical or if, if, if you're not musical, um, lyrical just means singable, you know, like the words, uh, the verse becomes a, a lyric. Um, so, you, so the notes of the melody are kind of singing like I did with Climb to the Sky. Um, and it's, it's kind of a 50 50 thing. Some, there's songs like Awaken the Dawn or Peace or Breathe, some, some of the listener favorites, um, that, that, that they're expressing the essence of the scripture. 
So I, so I have, uh, through the years, I've had the Bible in front of me open. I've been at pianos. I've been at keyboards. I've had my headphones on. I'll have, I could print out some verses. I could search them and put them on a piece of paper. But I, can, I just have them in front of me. So I'm kind of exploring and seeing what God would reveal. That, that's, a, that's become a really huge theme. And even just recent years, just more profound how God's revelation. He, he's ready to reveal things into our lives. But we have to be sort of ready to receive and be in a posture of receiving revelation and then sort of responding to that. So, so that's how what I feel like happens is that God has all, these, all this music up in heaven. And he's going to bring down a little trickle of it, little by little. Sometimes you go all day and it feels like nothing happened or a few days or then in this moment of an hour or a, a 10 minutes, you know, a whole bunch can happen creatively where you're just finding the magical essence of the, mm. of the melody, like a chorus and a verse and a conversation that the piano or the instrumental music can have between, between the sections of the music, um, whether piano or more orchestral, like the orchestrator part of my, story now is just growing and kind of film composing and just writing for a symphony, which from the piano I've learned how to, through some some Berkeley School of Music in Boston and things, I've learned how to build it for the whole symphony out of a piano uh, structure. So um, it, wow. it, it's fascinating. And I, I hear you on the, and I love that you played the tuba, I think. And, and I we've had through the years with the ministry name, like add, add the word, light the world to whatever you might do, like tubas to light the world. <laughs> um, it's just been a fun thing to do with light the music to light the world because <laughs> you can kind of put that on whatever you love to do, say something to light the world, you know. So your favorite composer, you told me, is Johann Sebastian Bach. Why is that? That's right. Well, I, I started playing him around eighth or ninth grade and just fascinating uh, melody, uh, really strong melody, really challenging some of his his inventions are quite difficult to play and take a lot of dexterity. Um, but he had, he had just a array of preludes and, and inventions that he called them, which were like exercises for his children. You, you sort of find out um, he was, wasn't really performing them publicly so much, but um, he was writing a, an hour of original music for the church every week on top of all the wow. other composing. And, and, and I found a quote right around the time I started, the ministry became... Uh, full-time in 2004-2005, this quote of Johann Sebastian Bach that he said that the aim and final end of all music should be unto the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul. So, so Say that Bach again, composed, will you? Say that again, will you? Yeah, so, so, so <laughs> Johann, Sebastian Bach, or, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach said, the aim and final end of all music should be unto the glory of God and the refreshment of the soul. Mm. And he lived from 1685 to 1750, so he was he was writing a lot of his great works in the 17, 10, 20, 30 um, range. So, so like Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, or some of the yeah. some of the great works we would hear, um, like the Opera Maria, which is based on the Prelude in C, um, were all around 1720. So, 300 years ago, he's writing music to glorify God and refresh the soul, and then. Like, when I saw that, I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> wow. Wow. So if your heart in your life is to glorify God and refresh the souls of other people, whatever it is you do, even if it doesn't have words, <laughs> right? It's, it's unbelievable. So this, this, and then God started to show me that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like 
just help me keep writing music, you know, show me what you want me to create and uh, mm. you just continue to grow it. So that's, that's an amazing, uh, and that, that goes back to, yeah, like 14 years old playing invention number eight, you know, and not knowing I would ever is going to be a composer one day or whatever. Mm. So, I mean, you could overlay that on any career, assuming what yeah. you're doing is not immoral or illegal, you know, yeah. it, it can be, it can all be a worship of the Lord. It can be a platform for serving other right. people. And I mean, this right. conversation is a whole lot bigger than just the direction God has directed you. Um, yes. Right. It, it's in Phil the same way. Like it, that's what started to happen. Like, this is like, this is about so much more than like some nice piano music. <laughs> that's what he, like it's it's a beautiful piano, and I for people that just love it for what it is is awesome. You know, they just want to they love piano music, and they stumble across one of my melodies, and it just brings some comfort to them, or, or some joy, or peace, or whatever. But but it, it was really soon, you know, early on. I'm like, wow, this is like this is a lot bigger than the piano. And see that overlays in our lives too. It's a lot. Our, our life and God's story of our life is is much bigger than we what we think or what we see. You know. Mm -hmm. I know, um, you know, you've traveled extensively uh, performing and, and just bringing encouragement wherever you go. Um, yeah. But one of the things that's really close to your heart is um, the ministry God's opened up for you in Zambia. Tell us about that, will you please? Wow. Well, from the very beginning, the, we, we were starting to reach cancer patients and children with cancer, especially, and then their families. And through through children, we were touching the whole family and their extended family and relatives and such. And so that was the essence of this hope and healing that people were testifying to. Like each of these things that happened, God invited me into them. Like he would reveal something he was doing through the music. So it started with cancer, but then a ministry leader in Zambia, um, you know, based in Texas, had heard my music about about seven years before we ever met and had been listening to it and loving it for all that time. And when, he, when we met in person at a conference, it was just a divine appointment. He was like, I want to bring you to Zambia and you can show the kids how you take the Bible and write music. And so my whole family ended up going in 2015 and I've, I've been four times and was supposed to go last year, but I've had to delay that trip. But um, I, I didn't know I was going to go to Africa in my life. I thought maybe I could or would, or I, that'd be interesting and neat, you know, to get to travel there because you hear such amazing things about Africa and what God's doing there, but just the beauty of his creation there. So anyway, he's, he's invited me over there four times and just um, the, the ministry serves orphans. Um, now about 15,000 of them that are, uh, that are sponsored by Americans pretty much and, and, and getting Christian school and some nutrition and nourishment. Um, and we have a we have a Zambian daughter there that she calls she calls me dad and she calls my wife Lori's mom, and she's 24 now and she's in university. Um, so we just we feel this mystery of God investing into the orphans of Zambia that like well what what can that do? But they they are a bright light in their in their world, you know, in their circle, in their family, in their in their home, and so we can just you know, shine our light into them as a ministry through Music Like the World, being gener generosity, you know, giving financially to support, but also you know, hopefully making these kind of trips to show them that anything's possible with God inspiring, you know, in their life. And some of them, you've taught them how to compose music, right? Right. They, we would. I did a workshop uh, several times where 
the children would bring a verse that they liked, um, and and we would they they would sort of uh, put it to their voice with a melody using the using the human voice. So like they would, I had challenged them to try to sing it, you know, sing something to me from the verse, and then we'd find it on the piano, and we'd write the we'd write out the song musically and then have them sing and, and me accompany them and then video that as a keepsake that, that they could write us. They had actually written a song. Oh, that's so um, cool. And so, so, and it, and it just, for me, the, the whole bigger story thing, like you said a, a minute ago is um, that, you know, God can, that our life is a song, you know, our life is a, and God's writing our, our story. He's writing our song as we, as we sing, um, through life, whatever his, his calling and purpose may be, you know, so that music is just a symbol to, to inspire these kids, but it's really, really beautiful to see their eyes kind of get wide open and see how like, Oh my goodness, I didn't think, you know, I never thought about like that I could write <laughs> or that, or how's the Bible become instrumental music or how does it become a song? You know? Wow. You know, um, even in our country, when, when money gets tight, seems some of the first things that get cut out of school budgets are, are the arts. And, you know, you, you yeah. think of not all of it, but a lot of parts of Africa where resources are short, um, you know, something like that would be, that's a, that's a luxury to have that experience, yeah. but it's, it's through the act of creativity that, there is a connection with God. I mean, of all of his attributes, right. that's the first attribute he revealed in the beginning, God created. And yes, um, yeah. I'm, I'm just so delighted that he's opened up that ministry for you too. And really for, for all of us today who are listening to your story, you know, it just, you talk about overcoming the fear, the, the doubts. I know you're a card carrying perfectionist, um, right. You know, yeah. and, and all of those things that because of God's prompting and because of the affirmation of little baby steps that mm -hmm. God used in disproportionately large ways, you took mm -hmm. the next step. And Stanton, right. as you've shared your story, not only is this about God's story and your story intersecting, but I just can't help how many of us are listening right now to this and there is some kind of dream on our heart. It may not be a career change, but, you know, if it's the fears, it's the I might not be good enough. It's the second guessing. How many songs never get written? How many books mm -hmm. never are, are even outlined because a publisher may reject us? How many stories are never told? How many relationships yeah. never start? And, and on right. and on and on and um, your your music, I think, can become the soundtrack to help us have some breakthroughs in that. What's the best way for folks to access um, your music and your ministry? What's the, the best online contact? Really, the best thing to do is just to Google Stanton Lanier because of the platform now with just all the streaming services on music. And there's a YouTube channel and a website and there's sheet music and piano books and just a variety of ways to, to listen and experience the, the music. Um, you know, so the, the site is just StantonLanier.com. But if you put Stanton Lanier and it'll, it'll help you see or, or put it in your favorite music service you know, to stream. Okay. Um, and just maybe try it. Try it for uh, what you said. I, I love the soundtrack analogy um and, I, and you, you just you reminded me and inspired me to mention that god is a is a creator with a big c 
and how we're creators with a little C. And it, and it just, he's shown me that in my life and he, it spilled over into our family and my kids growing up and just wanting, just inspiring creativity that we all really, we all are creators with a little C and his, his big C creativity can flow through every one of us. Mm. As we wrap up this session, this conversation on Step Into the Story, Stanton, thank you so much. And how about you play us out of here um, with another of your compositions called Walking on Air? And um, what scripture should we be picturing in our minds as, as we listen to this track? Well, it comes, it's actually in a few places, um, but there's a psalm that says how, how good God has been to us. Um, and how we're walking on air um, in the Psalms, Psalm 89, just just how God has been so good to us and how um, that that we should be walking on air just from his goodness and faithfulness. So it's, it's, it's expressing just a lightness of step and sort of a, mm. Jesus carries our burden, you know, my, our, his yoke is easy and our and burden is light and sort of just to lighten our step, lighten our spirit that, that he's got us um, and that we can have sort of a peaceful joy from, from walking on air. Well, thank you for changing our focus and um, partnering with God to lighten our burdens today and play us out of here with with walking on air. And we will see you again on the next episode of Step Into the Story. for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk Through the Bible. Take a walk, change the world.